Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. I'm so excited about this message. I'm always excited, but I'm taking a break from uh, Equip Series, and I want to talk to you about the labor union. I want to talk to you about Labor Day. Obviously, it's a day that we celebrate, a day that we relax, a day that we get a chance to be with family members. As I said, we had 42 people at my house right now, my cabin, not this house, but that house, 42 people. You should see, we look like a little uh, ice fishing people, you know, in Minnesota. When, when ice fishing comes, you know, you got a little city out there on the lake, right? You know, all of a sudden, they're just out there, you know, and so we look like Minnesota soda on a frozen pond. Oh, we got campers out there. We got trucks all over the place. And people, it's so funny. It's, you should see Lucy. People come by our cabin and they stop. And I'm not kidding. They're like examining. I mean, it's hilarious because like, what is going on? Everybody wants to be a part of a party. Amen. And so uh, it is so hilarious watching what's happening. But I want to talk to you today. The, the purpose of uh, Labor Day is to recognize you. It's to recognize you and to give you honor or give you a place to relax or a place to say this is your special day. You know, my special day, as I said, there's two things exciting on September 13th. Number one, obviously, it's the pledge days. But number two, it's my birthday. And I'm going to be like my wife. It's my 59th year twice. Amen. And uh, I'll tell you, even though I'm turning 60, man, I'll tell you, God has been so good. And I'll tell you why. I, I take a lot of vitamin C and one a day, vitamins every day. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But, uh, but you know what? It's, it's a time to celebrate. And you know what? Labor Day is a time that we celebrate you. It's a time to say thank you to all your labor and hard work in which you do at outside of these walls, inside these walls. It's a time to say thank you. And so I want to say as your pastor, thank you for all what you do. You know, the Bible says in Luke 2.52, to put your hands to the plow, put your hands to the plow, and don't look back. So in other words, not looking back, but always looking ahead. If you ever notice that a car has a small rearview mirror, but it has a huge windshield. In other words, the whole purpose of that is not to have you continue to look back, but to always to look forward. And I'm here to tell you today, God has great things in store for you. You're not done yet. I always say if you're not dead, you're not done. And God has great things in store for you. This is a time to recharge your batteries, a time to get refreshed and renewed. And I want to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for what God has done. But if you look at the four facts of Labor Day, and you'll be on the screen, I believe, the the four facts of Labor Day. Number one, after Labor Day, summer was officially over to where you're not uh, supposed to wear uh, colored clothes or colored white clothes anymore, right? So, hey, there you go. That's not me making that up. That's the society around us. You know, have you ever noticed, and this is, no, this is a true fact. It's a fun fact, but you notice how when people paint your, your walls or when you go into department stores or you go into Starbucks or you go into uh, Caribou or whatever choice of coffee you like or even out here the Chattering Squirrel, when you go to that, do you know how they come up with those colors? They come up with colors by the fashion that people wear. No kidding. 
So when we had our place that we just built in Burnsville, and the color scheme that we came up with, we had a fashion designer that was going to our church. And so the fashion designer would go to New York and go to all these runways in California and all these stuff and see what the latest clothes were coloring, com coming out with. But here's the key. It wasn't just the clothes that they were coming out with. It was the colors that they were coming out with. And so what happens with designers, interior decorators, they get their color palette from clothes that are coming out that year from New York, California, and then finally getting to Siren. <laughs> no kidding. That's true. But, but that's how you get color palettes. And so when they say that white is not worn anymore because that's how our society picks it, the interior decorators or designers say that out with the white and in with the color. Amen? But another one is this. Labor Day is the unofficial end of hot dog season. Somebody are probably saying amen. I've had enough of the tube steaks, right? No more tube steaks for me. I don't need no more of that. I'm tired of the tube steaks. We were eating those yesterday. I don't need no more of those bad boys. But another one is this. President Clo uh, Clover Cleveland uh, helped make Labor Day a national holiday. You know, did, did you know that? That he's the one that made Labor Day a national holiday that we can celebrate tomorrow and have a day off. After, I love this one. Maybe you could cheer about this one. After Labor Day, most schools would start. And the only reason why I put would start is because some are not started yet. Minnesota schools haven't started yet. They're still contemplating about if they are going to reopen or not reopen. But some schools start, and all the parents do what? Come on. Come on. You know you're happy, and you know it. Say amen. Man, we got a lot of sinners in this place today. I'm telling you one thing, you can't get excited about that. Man, I don't know what you're going to get excited about. But you know what? Labor Day, I love this. Labor Day is a time that you get a chance to take off work, a time where you get a chance to relax, and a time where you get a chance, and I want you to get this, a time where you get a chance to reflect. A time where you get a chance to reflect maybe on the past, that what you made mistakes in and what was good. I always take time to reflect. I want you to get this. A time to reflect, where are you right now? If you're anything like me, I have three, five, ten, fifteen-year goals all set out. Three, five, ten, fifteen. And what I do is I always take time to reflect to see where I'm at. You ever play that game, find Waldo? Where is Waldo? Sometimes you have to find yourself to see where you're at in your goals or progression in life. If you're dormant and you're still, you become stagnant, stinky, and stale and all these things in your life. But what happens is when you have Labor Day, it's also a time to relax, but a time to reflect and say, God, what things in my life do I need to change? What things in my life that are going good? What things do I need to expound on to go further in this walk with you? And in my life, a lot of times what happens with people is people don't have goals, dreams, and visions in their life, so they just become in park. And they're like a great car. My brother has a 66 Camaro, I mean, excuse me, a Chevelle, and he has this beautiful red Chevelle. It's incredible. And the other day, man, when I was home in Kenosha, he took the cover off it because he treats it like his baby, man, amen. So if you're watching Rick, I understand. That thing cries just like a baby. But you know what he does? He got in his car, he took the tarp off, and he opened the door, got in that bed boy, started it up. And you know what he did? He kept drumming it up. And it sounded great. But you know, a lot of times we can look pretty and sound great, 
But if you have no direction, it doesn't matter if you look pretty and sound great. You have to have a direction and purpose in your life. So here's a time to reflect. And a lot of times we don't like to look at ourselves because we don't like what we see. So what we do is we get critical and we start pointing fingers maybe at someone else. That they're doing something wrong and he's doing something wrong and she's doing something wrong. Instead of reflecting on ourselves and making changes. And so God wants us to reflect and say, hey, take time to be refreshed. But I like this. Jesus saw the need of his people to rest. He saw the need of his people to be rest and be refilled with praise and honor unto God. To be filled with praise and honor unto God. You know your hands, when your hands goes up, his spirit comes down. Your arms, when you lift up your hand, it's a sign of surrender to get the victory. But also, it's your spiritual antennas making connection with God. God desires the habits or the praises of his people. And God said, listen, I'm not going to let no rock cry out in my place. And the reason why that is because God wants you to be a sponge to absorb what he has for you. He wants you to be refreshed. You know, like me, if you don't get a good night's sleep, man, you're going to wake up in the next morning and you're going to be like a pit bull. Ask your spouse. They'll say amen to that. They're just being quiet under their breath. But you know what I'm saying? You end up being like a pit bull. But God wants to pour new wine or refresh you with his presence or power. So he wants you to rest. And he means, means that you show him business and you are not playing games with him. That God, I'm going to, man, come before you and I'm going to just, man, rest before you. Our experience with God. Now, you got to get this. Our experiences with God each Sunday should be an adventure. I'm telling you, every day with Jesus gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by, right? It's an adventure. The great thing about God, he says his thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So when we ever think we got God figured out, that's when you don't. God says just be still and enjoy the ride. I'll tell you, my son, CJ, I'll tell you, we, we went to uh, Disneyland. I'll never forget this. And how many know when you get on a roller coaster, they always take your picture, right? And then they get off the roller coaster, you go and find your picture, and you laugh at your picture because all you look like. Well, my son CJ thought he was bad to the bone. Yeah, Dad, I'm not afraid. No, I can do this. So my son CJ and Rick and Heidi and myself, we get on this roller coaster there at Disney World. And I mean to tell you, it was hilarious. CJ was the big and bad one, right? Yeah, I'm bad. And you know, see my son, C.J. Carrot. And uh, I'm bad. You can tell him about this story. And so, so anyways, we get on this roller coaster. Of course, obviously, you can't see the person in front of you or you can't see the person beside you because you're just freaking out as it is trying to get through the ride, right? So we get off this ride, and C.J. is the one that's big and bad. We get off this ride, we go find our picture, and C.J. looked like he saw a ghost, he was scared to death, and Heidi and Rick and I, we were laughing, having fun, holding our hands up in the air. You should have seen him. He was white. He looked like Casper the ghost, not the friendly ghost, but the holy ghost. It was just. And we all were cracking up. And a lot of times what happens with God, God wants you to just enjoy the ride. Stop trying to figure out God and say, God, where you lead me, I will follow. And what happens, I want you to hear this. What happens with believers in Christ, we don't enjoy the adventure with God because we're trying to dictate God instead of God leading us. 
And what happens is when we try to dictate God, we get upset, mad, and unhappy with God because we're trying to control God and put him in a box. But God says, no, listen. Just be still and know that I'm God. Trust me, and I will lead you down the path of righteousness for my name's sake. That's what Jesus said. So he said, you got to entrust me. It's an adventure for him. That, man, it's an adventure, exciting and refreshing time to receive, rest and receive from him. Man, Jesus said in Matthew 11. He goes on to say these words in Matthew 11. Verse 28, and, and, I, and I love these because it's, it's, it's so cool how Jesus invites us to come. You know, there's two things that Jesus does. Number one, Jesus is not a locksmith. He will never force himself upon you. He's such a gentleman that Jesus only comes in by invitation. He said, behold, I stand at your door and knock, and he that opens the door, I will come and sup with him and he with me. So Jesus, number one, is such a gentleman that he only comes by invitation. So if you want Jesus in your heart, you got to invite him in. He's not going to pick himself in. He's not going to force himself in. He's a gentleman. He respects you, and he'll come by invitation. But on the other hand, Jesus also gives us an invitation. He gives us an invitation. And here's the invitation. Come to me, all you. He's talking about every one of us. He's given you an invitation to come to him. My brother-in-law, excuse me, my niece's husband, matter of fact, he's a police officer for Kenosha, and many of you saw the Kenosha situation going on. He will be coming here. He's, he does a series. He just wrote a book. He got the book. Check this out. I want to just expound on this for a moment. He uh, was in Kenosha. He's, he's a police officer there. He was one of the guys that was behind the iron steel fence, blah, blah, blah. It was in the battle of all that was going on. But anyways, he had the opportunity to stand as close as I am to the stand right next to the president. And he was there with the secretary of press and all this stuff. He got to be involved with that. And he, man, was, it was amazing. But he wrote a book, and he gave the book to the secretary of press, and he gave it to them, and right away, they took it to the motorcade car where the president was and gave it to the president. And so it was so cool, but he was so enamored by being in the presence, whether you like President Trump or don't, doesn't matter. I'm not here to say that. But what I am saying is he was so enamored about having the invitation to be able to watch over the president, to be in the circle or the company of the president that he had the invitation to be one of the guards for that. My point is this. Think of this, that Brian had the opportunity to be right next to the president. You, you have the opportunity to be right next to the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the great I am, the never-changing one. The one that says, I'll supply all your needs according to your glorious riches. The one that says, in your weakness I'm made strong. The one that says, be still and know that I'm God. The one that says, the battle is not yours, it's mine. The one that said, I'm the God that healeth thee. That's the God that you have the opportunity to come to. And guess what? He's given you a personal, verbal invitation. You say, why do you say that? Because if you read this in Matthew 11, verse 28, it's not written by the disciples. It's the very words of Jesus. Check it out for yourself. It's in red. 
Jesus, Judy, is giving you an invitation. Come to me, all of you. Jesus says to come who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How many need that right now? A lot of times when we think of rest, a lot of times we think of physical rest. A lot of times we think, man, my body is wearing out, my body's wearing thin, I'm getting tired, I'm fragile, I'm weak. But you know, when I had a chance to go to Branson these last week and get a chance just to get a, go on vacation, my wife and I, you know what I've discovered? There's more to physical rest. There's a mental rest. And you know, when I was there at Branson, man, camping there and doing our thing, going to, going to see Noah and all that we did, I realized that, you know what? I was more tired, not physically, but mentally. And you know what I had to do? It took me two days to shut my brain off because I'm always thinking, always dreaming, always preparing, always doing something. So when Jesus comes and tells you to come and rest, it may be a physical rest. It may be a mental rest. It may be a spiritual rest. It's whatever your rest may be that you need in your life. Jesus is like a one-a-day vitamin. He fulfills the zinc, the iron, the calcium. Man, in your life, whatever it may be, you need to rest in. God says, put your rest, put your trust, put your hope in me, and I will give you rest and refresh you in the area of your need. Somebody say amen. So he says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Do you know that Jesus says, soul, if you go to a mortician, which I man, have done, my father-in-law just passed, obviously, we had his funeral on Monday, but because of COVID, check this out, because of COVID, guess what, we could not do the burial, he's going to be buried at Fort Snelling, but Fort Snelling is so backed up because of the COVID, that my wife and their family could not bury their father yet. So my wife and their family had to set another day to be able to go to Fort Snelling to be able to bury him. But we were with the mortician. And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. You know that when a person dies, a person will lose 6 to 10 ounces of weight. When an animal dies, it doesn't lose weight. So you, if you ask and talk to a mortician... The mortician will say the reason why they lose 6 to 10 ounces of weight is because that is your soul. Where does your soul ascend to? The heaven. What does your soul contain? Your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, these things. And where does it go? It goes to the king of kings and the lord of lords. You see, Iron Man thought he had it made when they put that thing in his chest and all of a sudden he becomes super Iron Man. No, we had it made when God created you in the very image of himself that when we go to heaven, guess what? That soul is going to be placed in a new body. There's no going to be no more pain. There's not going to be any more suffering. There's not going to be any more shame. There's not going to be any more hurt. Why? Because God is taking the soul that is tired, he's refreshed, and he's placing it within a new body the day we get to meet Jesus. Somebody say amen. Come on. Amen. That's what God wants to do. But then he goes on to say, Jesus says to come. And I need to get going quickly. Jesus said to come, number one. How does he say to come? Is this going to be on the screen? Number one, Jesus says to come as a little children. 
Why do you think Jesus says for us to come as little children? Number one, because children never stop the way the consequences. They just do it. They get burnt, they, they pay the consequences, but they just react. And so many times what happens, we come as an adult. What do you mean by that, Pastor? We want to control the situation. We want to think it out before we do it. And then we ask ourselves, what's in it for me? How much skin do I have to give if I come? But Jesus said, no, come on, little children, just come. Just come. Stop trying to think it out. Try, stop trying to reason it out. Stop trying to play the game. Stop trying to play chess with God. Stop trying to play king me. Like I, I kinged you today. I, I won the chess game. God says, no, just come. Come as little children. Number two, come those who are weary in spirit. Matthew 11, verse 25. Are you weary today? Johnny Cash used to sing a song, I'm so tired and so weary, but I must go alone. I remember all those Johnny Cash songs when my dad played with them. I'm so tired and so weary. Hee-haw, where, where are you tonight, right? Got all those weary songs going on. You ever want to feel weary? Play country western. Man, they got my wife, man. They took my wife. My dog got shot. My car got stolen. Play it backwards. You get your wife back, get your car back, get your dog back. Man, I mean to tell you, man, hey, that's what I like to do, play it backwards. <laughs> Amen. Another one he says, come those who are thirsty and drink. You know what Jesus says? Come those who are thirsty and drink. He says, David says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after thee. The terminology of that is, is that when you get thirsty, your mouth gets parched. And then try to talk when your mouth is dry. <laughs> right? Some of you are dry spiritually. And when you're dry spiritually, what that means, there's a disconnect between you and God. And what happens when there's a disconnect between you and God, I, I want you to hear this real closely because what happens is when there's a disconnect between you and God, you don't hear God's voice, you don't sense his presence, and you don't see him working in your life anymore because there's a disconnect. I'm thirsty, I'm dry, I'm parched. And that's why Jesus said when you're at that place in your life, it's not a time to run from God but a time to run to God. That, God, I need you more than words can say. I need you, Lord. And then he goes on to say this. I love this. Come with confidence to his throne. Hebrews verses four, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. You know what he says in there? In Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16, he said, come unto me. He said, come. And he said, to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in your time of need. But then he goes on to say in verse 15, he says, because you have an advocate or you have a father who understands what you are going through. So he says to come with confidence. Come with confidence because God understands who you are. As I said last week, God came as human so he understands you. He came divine so he can help you. And so God wants you to come to him. But then we say this. I love this. God runs after those. And I'm jumping way ahead. God runs after those who are willing to come to him each day. And so Jesus is calling us to come. I remember when I was pastoring in Watertown, South Dakota. I'll never forget this as long as I live. 
When I was pastoring in Watertown, South Dakota, we were making $156 a week. I had three kids. I had a car payment, $113 a month. I had a school bill. And, that, man, I made $56. I was glad. That was all I had for school loans. But I was making $156 a week. So my wife and I had to do everything we could to survive. We really did. We had to do everything we could to survive. My wife and my kids, because I had to be at prayer at 5 in the morning, my wife would be with my kids. No kidding. True story. This is how bad it was. My wife and my three kids would load up in the car at 4.30 in the morning and would go to all the local campgrounds there in Watertown, South Dakota. And what she would do, she was dumpster diving. No kidding. She would be dumpster diving. And she would go in there with my three kids and collect all the aluminum cans. Man, my wife, when she would take them to the aluminum recycle place, she looked like she was the biggest drinker in the town. And she would collect all these aluminum cans, man, and, and then restore them and take them to the aluminum recycle place and, man, get enough money to buy her a gallon of milk and give our kids a piece of candy. But then Cheryl and I, we cut down trees. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have tree insurance, but we just did it because we needed money. But one particular time, we painted a sheep barn. True story. We trained, uh, painted a huge sheep barn. I'm not talking a small cracker box garage-sized sheep barn. Man, it was a huge sheep barn. Not one time did we paint it, but the, the farmer wanted to paint it twice. So we had to put two coats on this bad boy. And it was a sheep barn that had sheep all over the place. And you know what was crazy about those sheep? I'm way up, and this is a true story. I'm way up on this ladder, way up in the peak of this barn, painting this barn white. And all of a sudden, no kidding, this man, hundreds of sheep all out grazing in the field. All of a sudden, it began to rain. And if you know anything about sheep, man, they can suffocate from the weight that gets in their wool. And so what happens with sheep, they're like a huge sponge. So when they get sucked up with rain, what happens, the weight of the rain or the weight of their, their wool, man, it suffocates them. They can't hardly walk. They're like a big water balloon. So they know instantly, instinctively, they know that when it rains, i got to run or come to the barn. And so here I am. i got my ladder stretched out way up this peak. All of a sudden, it starts raining, and the next thing you know, I'm way up there, and the sheep are running to the barn. And, man, they're clipping my ladder, and I'm thinking, oh, dear Jesus, I'm coming early, God. But the point of what I'm saying is sheep, who are supposed to be one of the dumbest animals, still had common sense to come to safety. And what Jesus is doing for us, he's saying, listen. If my sheep, which is you, heareth my voice, they will follow after me. And Jesus said, my voice in which I'm calling you today on Labor Day weekend is to come. And here's how he wants you to come, just as you are. No heirs, just you. Just you. So how does Jesus want you to come? You could write this down, and we'll close here in a moment. We're going to get to the second point. How does Jesus tell you to come? Number one, humble yourself before him. I'm going to blow through this. So, Don, I'm just going to blow right through this. Humble yourself before God. That's how he wants you to come. Humble yourself inside of the Lord. James 4, verse 10 said, he'll lift you up. When you think of the word humble, we take it as a sign. Now, get this. We take it as a sign of weakness. How many know what I'm talking about? We take it as a sign of weakness. I can't come. That's showing that I'm frail. 
You know, I was a kid growing up. My father used to say to me, big boys don't cry. And a lot of times I would hold that in. Believe me, you. There were many times I wanted to cry. But guess what? This big boy does cry now. Crying is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of man just surrendering. You say, well, so we think it as a sign of weakness, but the Lord sees it as a sign of strength. Humble yourself means letting go and admitting your need for him. God, I, I need you. I, I need you, Lord. All I want is you. Nothing else will do. Not just a part of my heart, but all of my heart. Nothing else will do. I need you, God. In this world right now in which we have, man, I was talking, like I said, my, my brother-in-law and my niece and, my, and, and her husband, Brian, from Kenosha. I said, Uncle CJ, if you go into Kenosha, it's just in ruins. It's just in ruins. The total, man, destruction of an automobile place, a car dealership just totally destroyed. Garbage trucks that were set on fire and just totally destroyed. You see, that stuff's external. That's external stuff. But the reason why we need Jesus, I want you to hear this, is because it's eternal. We don't receive the external things. We receive eternal things with God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word will never pass. And his word to you is today, I got this. I got this for you. I got this in your life. Humbling yourself means I don't have it all together, but he does. He does. God has it all together. Today, I want to use an illustration as we close today. I know time's getting away, but I picked this color number one for green. This is the person that comes to God full. Green is green with envy. This is a person that comes to God full. Notice this balloon has no more occupancy. You cannot blow it up any further, otherwise it's going to pop. And this is what a lot of times what happens with believers. We come to God full. We come to God full of pride. We come to God full of our own advice, our own strength, our own ability, our own talents, our own giftings, our own advice. We even tell God what to do. But God can't fill or pour into this. So when God tries to speak to you, what happens is when God speaks the breath of God, you drift away. The reason being is because you're unopened to receive. You see, God doesn't look for full. You got to get this. God doesn't look for full. He looks for empty. That's why he says, I don't look for new old wineskins. I look for new wineskins. So you know what God looks for? He looks for the empty bloom. The one that's humble. The one that's open. The one that's transparent. The one that is honest before God. You know what I always say? God sees all, knows all, and hears all. So guess what? You can't lie to God. You can't hide from God. You can't pretend with God because he knows all, sees all, and hears all. So you might as well just be honest with God. And when you're honest with God, guess what? He said, I see your need, Monty. 
and he begins to pour into your life. You see, when you open yourself up to God, that's when he can pour. Man, I'm, I'm struggling financially. I'll supply all your needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I'm struggling physically. I am the God that healeth thee. I'm weak and I'm frail. I'm tired in body. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The difference between this balloon and that balloon, this is the breath of God that lives and reigns and rules within the temple of your life. And God, with one stroke of his breath and one touch of his finger, can heal, mend, and touch and repair you instantly. If he can come in a twinkling of an eye, he can truly touch your life that quick. If you are open to receive, God, I decrease that you may increase. And when God sees you this way, he gets excited. But here's the beautiful thing about God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So his character in himself never changes, Neil. But here's the beautiful thing about God. His mercy is new every morning. So the next day, you can go back to God. Empty. God is not a one-time God. I can go back to God again. God, I'm tired. God, I'm weak. God, I'm going through financial. Day in and day out, as long as you remain humble and empty before God. I close with these things. Pride leads to a fall and says it may, may it be my way or the highway. That's what pride says. Pride says I have it all together, so leave me alone. Don't touch me. Can't touch this. That's what we are with God. Right? Pride says, I can't show that I'm weak and struggling because what will people think? Isn't that what we are? We are so prone to the praises of man. We are so prone to having people, man, you're awesome, you're this, you're that. What about being excited about what God has for you. Pride can hold you back from experiencing new ideas and better things if you continue to hold on. James 4, 6 goes on, but he gives us more grace. More grace. Bill, more grace. More grace. More grace. That's what God gives you. God is in the business of soul-filling station. And then watch this. That is proud because he says, why scripture says to him, you don't need, God opposes the proud, but watch this, but shows favor to the humble. What is favor? Favor is unmerited blessings that we don't deserve because, man, we already have life. God gave us life. But favor means unmerited blessings that God bestows upon his people in our walk with him. 
Have you just had somewhere when somebody just maybe dropped a pie in the sky in your life and you were blessed and you felt good? That's what God does. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the, to the humble. God opposes the proud because it says to him, you don't need him. The Lord gives favor to the humble, favor over your life. Now get this, favor over your life, favor over your household, and favor over your job. That sounds like a good payback to me, that God gives those things to us. And I do close now, James 4.10, and I promise now. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. As I was writing this sermon, I was reminded of my father-in-law as I close. I was reminded of my father-in-law. One of his bucket lists was to ride in a balloon, one of those big air balloons. And he wanted to ride in one of those balloons. So we as all the family members got together and we pitched in. It was, I don't remember if it was the 70th birthday, whatever it was. And we got together, we pooled all our money together, and we were able to buy him this uh, air balloon experience. And that particular day, it was a Saturday morning, I'll never forget. Man, the field was just blind with all these beautiful balloons. You should see, man, I don't know about you, if you've ever seen those balloons, they're just massive, they're beautiful, they're so colorful. And he got in the basket of this balloon, and it was so cool. Finally, man, he lit up the torch, and man, he turned it up. It's already lit, but then they have to turn it up higher or hotter to fill the balloon even more to give it the, the helium or whatever that lifts the balloon. And he crawls into the basket with the instructor, and we're taking pictures of my father-in-law. It was the coolest thing. And uh, finally, they let go of the ropes, and my father-in-law got higher and higher, and you could just see him waving. It was so cool. We are all... <laughs> And my wife is watching right now. We are crying like, man, we got to fill his bucket list. But then, as they were on this excursion in this balloon, a storm came up. And the balloon got lost. And they searched for my father-in-law and this instructor for hours. And finally, they found my father-in-law and this instructor after four and some hours, almost five hours. They found my father-in-law, this instructor, and they landed in the field way out there in Minnesota by, I can't remember exactly where, but outside of Lakeville. And uh, they found him. So once we got to see our father-in-law, we said, Dad, how was it? And you know what he said? It was the greatest experience. And even in the storm, it was fun. Oh, he said it was so awesome. We said, why was it so fun? He said, because that balloon withstood the storm. Yes, we were blown and tossed and turned, but it was so exciting. This is what Jesus does. He says in John chapter 10, he says, he has you in the palm of his hand. And then he says, nothing can snatch you from him. So when the storms of life come, guess what God does? If he has you in the palm of his hand, guess what he does? He closes his hand. And he says, it's okay, my son and my daughter. You may be on a rocky road. You may be in a, a turbulence right now. But I got my hands closed. And when the sun comes back out, Mark, guess what he does? He opens his hand.
And he says, see, it's okay. Today, that's the God that you serve that's saying, rest and come to me. Will you stand with me today? That was only part one, amen? I'll tell you, I love writing. I, I love to write. I think I am going to write a book. People keep asking me. I, I love to write, love to read. I always say, if you want to be a leader, you got to be a reader. You got to be a reader. You got to be a reader. I want to just pray over you this morning. I don't know what your need is, but you do. You have not because you ask not. And right where you're at, you make your place a sanctuary with God. You make that place where you're standing, your sanctuary with God, and let God touch you to whatever need it is. Can we pray? Father, I thank you right now. I pray over every individual here today that, Lord, your presence, your power, your spirit will touch them in the dry places of their lives, that you will refresh them anew. Lord, as we celebrate Labor Day, a day to rest, a day to relax, a day to come before you and to reflect, I pray that today, God, you will bless and minister to your people. Lord, your word says it goes to the areas of needs of our lives. And I pray that today that you will touch every individual. God, you say if we lack wisdom, let them ask God. If there are those that are seeking out wisdom for guidance and direction in their life, that may be making a transitional change in their life, I pray that, God, you speak clearly to them. I pray, God, if there are those that need a physical touch in their body, that you will heal them. I pray, God, if there are those that need a financial increase, I pray that, God, you will bless them. I pray that, Lord, you will open the storehouse. The storehouse is full of all the blessings and the needs of our lives. Lord, refresh, touch, and encourage. Bless this wonderful church. And the way we come back next Sunday with a victory rally of purchasing this building for your glory. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and all the praise. Touch your people now, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com give. Thank you for your generous donation.